What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 68th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. We're just a couple of fluffy boys, Matt. Just a couple of fluffy uh, boys. I don't even know what that means, but... Uh, oh, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference, right? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, okay. You sent me a great Brooklyn Nine-Nine meme right before this started. Uh, spoilers for the end of um, Rise of Skywalker, but it was... Um, uh it was <laughs> Raymond Holtz. Pretty funny. Uh pretty funny. I'm trying to like hide my own video so I don't have to see my dumb face while I'm recording. But uh how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. You know, it's just uh we had May the fourth be with you and we had uh Cinco de Mayo on the fifth. Just, you know, going from one day to the next, enjoying the holidays inside. I mean, obviously Star Wars Day isn't really a holiday but you know we do have a long weekend coming up though yes we have uh victoria day coming up right i think so it is, is may the, right <laughs> yeah the may long may 2-4 is what they 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 call it even though it's like the 19th or something like that so we do have a holiday coming up but yes i mean for dorks everywhere uh may the 4th kind of a holiday um how did you celebrate eric i don't you didn't do anything? Okay. I no. got I got up and watched um uh I watched the finale of the Clone Wars. I watched um a bit of the Mandalorian um documentary series. The first episode went up of that. I just put it on. I'll I'll get around to that at some point. Um they did announce or we're gonna get to that in the news. They that that piece of news that Taika Waititi is gonna be directing a Star Wars. So it was a pretty um, pretty eventful May the 4th, you know, I, I thought we might, they announced some stuff for, um, Jedi Fallen Order, the, the video game and things like that. So, um, I reshared my, uh, baby Yoda tweet, you know, the things you do on May the 4th. I, I shared a photo from when I was in LA and went to Disneyland and Galaxy's Edge, um, which weirdly was like three days before the pandemic started. So that's great. Um, Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I've been, uh, I've been just kind of hanging out. It's, uh, it's the weather's getting nicer in Toronto. Last weekend was gorgeous. Um, today's really nice as well. So you're starting to see a, a few more people out and about, which is not a great thing, but, um, had to cancel my wedding this past weekend. So there's that. Yes. For life updates. The email. So. Yeah. So, uh, but look I mean, at I, you kind of venom. Let there be carnage <laughs> and Matt Nevis's wedding coinciding together at last. I I tweeted that as a joke, but I don't know if people knew I was joking or not. Um, I, I don't know if they thought I was like seriously, yeah, <laughs> deadly serious, yeah. I'm like, what do my wedding and Venom have in common now? We both got punted to June 2021. Um, so that was a bit of a bummer. So, um, I mean. It is what it is. Uh, everyone's in the same situation as we are right now. And, and while things could make, you know, a drastic turn in a month and uh, actually almost exactly a month, but um, we didn't want to, you know, risk it or, 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 I mean, put the health and safety of, you know, people like yourself and our friends and family um, that were planning on coming. And I just, I don't think it's a great time to travel right now, especially if we're even allowed no. to in a month. Um, and, and even if we were allowed to it in, in a month, there's so many kind of little things that we haven't been able to do just because everything's been closed down. And, um, and then there'd be that, like a weird dark cloud around the whole thing. If like, 
right like say everything's okay at the beginning of june and then we're getting married like a week later like that just doesn't sound like a fun time so um yeah we punted it to june of next year um so uh i don't know i'll take that vacation now to play last of us part two new trailer dropped today for that um i can talk about it on trailer talk or talking trailers later um but yeah, man, it's a bit of a bummer and um, just trying to figure out vacation now from work. Like vacation feels a little bit meaningless, but I almost just want to take some time off to just, you know, not have to think about work and things like that. So I kind of shaved shaved off the, the June vacation and, and made that only a week long instead of two weeks long and um, going to maybe take some time next week or something like that. And uh, and then who knows what the hell TIFF is going to be in September. <laughs> Um, which is my other vacation, but, um, yeah, I have no idea, but anyways, it's the, that's what's going on in my life. Uh, what the fuck happened? Did my AirPods mess up again? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Yeah. And now I can't hear you. Just my Bluetooth oh. crapped out this computer. I, I mean, I'm reading your lips. Um, this fucking computer is like seven. <laughs> is like seven years old and for some reason it just like craps out and like the headphone jack doesn't work or i'm trying to connect my airpods right now and it's not connecting Mm -hmm. and then if i connect something else it probably won't work or even when i reconnect my airpods it probably uh won't work um yeah but i'm gonna keep trying eric you talk what's up with you well uh I didn't listen to you as you were saying, or I, I lost the communication uh, when you were talking about uh, not celebrating Star Wars Day because I thought you meant May 2-4. I don't do anything for May 2-4, but Star Wars Day, I always do a little something as I'm drinking out of a R2-D2 uh, mug. Um, I want to catch up on Clone Wars. I've, I've just started watching it at, at your recommendation. Um but other than that, not a lot, just kind of, you know, watching a lot of stuff, a lot of random uh, new releases and old stuff that I've either haven't seen since I was a kid or stuff that's just kind of piqued my interest in the last little bit or stuff that's on, you know, Amazon Prime or Netflix, things like that. So, um, you know, again, time has a different meaning now in terms of what you know, I do on a weekly basis other than, you know, still releasing the Rogers reviews for new releases and doing the show uh, remotely via Zoom. Um, I have an upcoming episode where I'll be uh, chatting with Dave Voigt of In the Seats again, just to see, you know, like how he's doing and also uh, to talk about the industry at length as I'm sure what we'll be doing right now. So, yeah. Okay, I didn't hear any of that, but I saw that you stopped talking. Uh, we're going to have to take a quick technical break. You're going to hear that goofy Simpsons thing that I always do, and then we'll be right back in a second. And we are back. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, my computer is like nine years old, I think, or ten years old, and it's starting to starting to shit the bed a little bit, Eric. It's a very nice computer, um, 
I got it though when I was still working at General Motors, so that's how old this oh, wow, is. Wow, a lifetime ago. Yeah, so it's like a decade old, and it's like a great MacBook Pro, and it's still like I basically I was making good money at GM for you know a twenty year old, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna soup up a MacBook Pro, and I paid like over probably three grand for it at the time, um, so it's lasted me ten years, which is pretty good, um, but Mac computers. And I'm so, you know, intertwined in the Mac, you know, ecosystem and things like that, that like, I, I can't go back to a PC now or something like that. Um, but I've been looking at like, you know, thank you, Nevis. Um, Nevis says, hello, everyone. Um, she brought me dinner, so I'm going to also eat on this episode. So this episode, just all over the place. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... Um, I've been looking at computers and shit, but I just don't want to drop, you know, like $1,500 or $2,000 on a computer. And I'm like, can I just try to chip away with this one and, and wait till it actually, you know, explodes or should I get something? I've been eyeing the new iPad pros, which you can kind of use as a computer, but I need to make sure like, if I do that, then can we record on that? Is it, you know, that it has garage band and things like that, that we, but when we do things like this, I don't know if Zencaster works on, you know, iOS and iPad OS and things like that. So um, if however long this shit lasts, but um, I didn't hear what you were talking about at the end. I don't know if I needed to respond to any of it or you were just giving uh, an update. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, basically what I've been doing for the last week or so, which is just watching a lot of movies, other, whether they be, you know, new releases or reviews for Rogers um, or just stuff that I'm, you know, kind of scrolling through that's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Apple TV Plus. And, so what have you uh, been? What have you been watching? And I was going to also quickly say, and I'll show you. I can show you. Obviously, the uh, yeah, the viewers can't see it. Kino uh, sent me the Blu-ray box set of uh, the Pink Panther collection, uh, cartoon collection uh, on okay. Blu-ray, which comes out on uh, May nineteenth. Sweet. So, I know. Were, were you a big fan when you were a kid or what? Yeah. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid, but I don't really remember like any specific episode or character other than the Pink Panther. It, it, and it didn't have the same kind of resonance that the Looney Tunes had or anything like that. But it was just nice of them to send me uh, this huge Blu-ray set that now I'm going to have to maybe watch five minutes of and then get bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally fair. Isn't that most things on our shelves? Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't buy much that I the stuff that's sent sometimes. Sure, but I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful. Um, no, and same, same. I'm really grateful that Kino even sent me anything. So you know, especially what have right you, now. So what have you been legitimately like watching? Um, a lot of of uh, movies, but also, I mean, with the uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine reference, I didn't realize that I was actually two seasons behind. Oh wow. So, in the last 48 hours, I've burnt through all uh, – well, I mean, they're shorter seasons, the, six the, and the seven. NBC, yeah, NBC era. Yeah, and that's the, the most interesting change is like seeing the NBC logo come up at the beginning of each episode because it's like they're really emphasizing it even with the music cue. And also yeah. I think them adding in uh, the bleeped out swearing and like drawings it's and stuff, stuff like that, that are blurred yeah. out yeah beforehand which i don't know if it really adds anything but um those are the only real differences you notice from you know fox to nbc uh but i still really 
like the show a lot. I just like hanging out with the characters and um, I, I think the writing is very funny and poignant at times. And then also, again, just kind of getting into the situations that these characters get into, but in the way that they kind of present them from their personalities. Uh, Holt is still, I think, my favorite character on the show. Yeah, Holt, Holt is top tier. I mean, the only person I'd, I, I mean, I should, I think he's a nice guy and I'm sure he is a, a great guy. He was on recently on Mythical Kitchen and you probably know who I'm talking about, but Terry Crews in that show is the only person I don't really like. And like yeah. everyone else makes me laugh, but something about Terry in that show, I'm just like, any scene that you're in, I feel like you just bring down everyone around you. And I don't want to sound negative because I do really love the show. And um, I mean, I'm all caught up. It's one of the only comedies that I think Nevis and I watch like on a week to week basis even. And uh, I was doing the thing that you were doing too, because Netflix Canada is great in the sense that um, they get, they got the newest season the day after it, like the finale aired. Right. So they get the newest seasons of Brooklyn nine, nine right away, um, which is pretty dope. But yeah, the last two seasons have been good. It hasn't really lost a step. I think like to go what that's seven seasons now, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is pretty long for a, for a sitcom like that. But I, I think, you know, Michael Schur and, and that team that's made, you know, Parks and Rec. And I mean, Parks and Rec, there's not, I can talk about my experience with that kind of reunion show that they had this past week. But um, that slew of shows with The Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place. Uh, he's got a new show on Amazon Prime right now called Upload. Um, I just think uh, he's a super, super talented guy. And just uh, him, Michael Schur, Greg Daniels, that kind of team of guys that and many other people who have worked on those shows. But um, I just think that the formula works, but the the writing is really, really, really great. And yeah, Raymond Holt has got to be a, you know, one of the top tier TV characters of all time for me. Like I just and I think he gets better and better. The more they let him like they've had to kind of expand that character and have him let loose a bit more. And I think it gets even better and better and expanding. But in on, his own know. way, like it doesn't yeah. feel like it betrays the character in any sense. And I think Andre Brower's delivery in in certain scenes, um, whether they be comedic or, you know, intentionally comedic work like like it's just he's it's almost like he is approaching it as a drama or very like obviously he is playing it straight but he's playing it straight as if he were in you know like homicide life on the streets which was the show that kind of made him uh kind of a bigger name to begin with and seeing him go from like a, a serious kind of gritty tv show like that into Brooklyn Nine Nine is just kind of funny, and I just like that relationship that he has also with uh, Kara Sedgwick's uh, character as well, and sort of that ongoing competition and where that goes in in the most recent season. I think was was interesting as well. So uh, I'm 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 looking forward to catching up with the uh, uh, the next season, season eight, when eventually it comes out. In, I think 2021, um, but it's weird because it's usually one of those shows where I really love watching it, but then I kind of forget about it completely until it is on Netflix. So it's, it's just, yeah, again, like it's, it's one of those programs where it's like, I just enjoy kind of being and hanging out with those characters and seeing what they get up to. And yeah, there's a whole thing with uh, Nicolaj and, and, and yeah. Baron Holtz. It's a lot of fun. And um, Gendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, Nevis and I continuously reference Gendar jeans because um, 
she has a pair of jeans like that and I make fun of her. Are they the knockoff brand? (laughs) Yeah. So it's a very like, yeah, it's that the Gendar character in those episodes really landed. And yeah, I'm kind of with you where I I found recently Nevis and I have connected in the point that um, we watch it on a week to week basis, but it was one of those shows where we get two or three weeks behind and then we'd forget and then the whole thing would come on Netflix and we would just, you know, power through it or something like that. But um, it was a nice thing to kind of those half hour comedies, I think, are just, you know, kind of great to put on in bed and things like that as you're just kind of getting ready to go to sleep and you watch a quick 23 minutes and then you're in and you're out and you kind of laugh. Harley Quinn's the same. We've been keeping up week to week on Harley Quinn. Um, Dude, I've been obsessed with the last dance on um, Netflix. Um, uh, For those of you who don't know, it's a a documentary on the 1990s uh, Chicago Bulls and, and specifically Michael Jordan. And um, it's an ESPN um, documentary, but it's available on Netflix here in Canada. And um, two hours per week on Mondays here in Canada. It airs Sundays on ESPN in the US. And um, 10 episodes, they've done six of them so far. And um, I don't know, I'm I'm really into it. I think we might review the series once it's done. Um, Yes, I would like to do that quite a bit. Yeah, I I think that would be cool. But just initial thoughts on the first six episodes. I mean, Eric, I think you've watched a couple of them. but Yeah, um, and Space Jam. Yeah, I know. And I might watch Space Jam before we do that review, too. And we can just kind of lump that all in together. I mean, that's what he did do in that break. So, (laughs) Um, which they haven't got to on the the series yet. But um, yeah, I'm really digging it. I think it's super slick. I think it's a a really entertaining docuseries. I, I don't know... My one issue with it, which is I think one of the issue, the main issues a lot of people are calling out, is that it is produced by Michael Jordan's production company as well as the NBA. So while it does get into you know kind of the uh, you know negative sentiment around Michael Jordan and some of the darker stuff in his history, it's still pretty. I don't want to say biased, but it leans heavily towards putting him in a positive light. And I think one of the funniest things is that I saw a good tweet about this and I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the tweet or the quote, but it's just like, I can't believe that each week we just have Michael Jordan shitting on all of the people he's still mad about. And it's like must see TV every week. <laughs> Cause it's not like, he's still so mad at all of these guys that he's just been pissed at for, you know, 30 years. And he's still like, just no i fucking hate him or like things like that and it's just him which is so weird because he won he like he literally is like this multi-millionaire selling hanes underpants now and like what does he have to be mad at you know nothing i'm eating a chicken sandwich but what was your reaction to the first couple episodes um i really liked them quite a bit especially just how they're structured and put together um just purely on an editing standpoint i think that they're so well done and kind of get you into the 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 moment and the mindset of 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 Michael Jordan and everybody kind of seeing him come back you know to the Chicago Bulls again and it and it's it, it's not a show necessarily just for sports fans i think it is a show that is also very accessible for people that are looking for that like quick sort of uh inspirational sports story done in kind of like a highlight reel um you know you don't have to necessarily know uh the jargon or the sports lingo to enjoy it and you don't have to be 
just a basketball fan. You can just approach this as seeing somebody kind of coming back to their, you know, their, their, their strength, the thing that they're good at and sort of looking at it from a perspective now of being a seasoned veteran and, and again, having sort of more animosity towards you coming back. And I think that's kind of interesting. And I even like how, even though Space Jam is a terrible movie uh, and I do have a nostalgic fondness for it, like them making fun of Jordan in Space Jam for going to uh, baseball uh, afterwards and wanting to be, you know, kind of like a, you know, one-stop shop kind of athlete that just doesn't pay off. I think that's uh, really fascinating. And it is it is quite a, an addictive show to watch. Like, it's one of those shows, like uh, many Netflix programs, that it, it hooks you into it quite early. And, like, at the end of every episode... There's a it great just, cliffhanger. It, yeah, it keeps you it, it keeps you wanting to go again and again and again and to keep shooting hoops. So I totally agree with that. And the the point you made about it not just being for you know basketball fans or sports fans, even I mean they touch on this a lot, obviously in the show. But he's such an icon that like if you grew up how whatever age you were in the 90s like look at our age yeah we grew up with michael jordan because of space jam almost right and like right that made us michael jordan fans where we had michael jordan action figures yeah dude and like i mean the jordan shoes was a huge thing and like i think like i'm not a basketball fan at all and um and but when you and he, say basketball what, what do you think of it's like the same thing with hockey like the yeah, person wayne gretzky, with hockey yeah. is wayne yeah. gretzky basketball yeah. with michael jordan yeah, so he's definitely one of the, you know, the most famous people of all time, I think. And that's why I think the show is and I I think what's making it even better for me is I don't know this entire story. Like I know the the Wikipedia or the Cliff Notes version of this story of like I know the highlights, right? Like I know the 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 reason he retired and 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 his comeback and Space Jam and all that stuff and how many championships they won. But he is just so good at what he does and he he's and he's an intelligent guy too so just having him sit on his couch with like a glass of like whiskey and him just like shit on all of these people and just talk about his career is so fucking fascinating cuz he he was able to back up everything he did so his like cocky attitude and his like confidence and swagger was like is all is you're almost like this guy was a fucking prick, but you almost like applaud him for it because he was like, he could back it up. He was just like, I know I'm better than you, so I don't care. And you're like, all right, dude, like I kind of can appreciate that. And like every time they go in and say like, and again, I know this is also because he produced it. So it's going to lean towards, you know, making him look better, but um just he had a a response to everything and even when you would go you know i don't i don't uh, yeah that's a little he'd have some intelligent response and he's so good at everything he does you're just like all right fair enough dude <laughs> like all right you right. can do whatever you want so i don't know i'm loving it i thought it was only 6 episodes i'm kind of glad that it's 10 episodes cuz then i have a couple more weeks of uh, uh of these and like you said it is addicting it's uh um at the end of every one you're like fuck i want to watch the next one and um dropping two at a time i think is a great really i'm burping sorry this chicken sandwich is good though um but yeah man it's it's excellent so i've been on a doc kick i mean to go into like what i've been watching and like and i sent you a message last night and you sent me a great list of of things to watch and um i was uh i've been watching more i guess doc series you know because we watched 
again, the more I think about it, the less that I like it. But Tiger King uh, watched, you know, the Imagineering story on on Netflix. Uh, what else have we we've been watching? Um, uh, shit, there's another doc series that I watched, but I forget on. Oh, uh, McMillions, um, things like that. So and now The Last Dance. So I'm like, I don't know why I'm I'm not watching more doc movies right just get in and out and you know between an hour and a half and two and a half hours if i'm spending you know 10 hours watching a michael jordan documentary or tiger king or or mcmillions i'm like i can definitely sit down for two hours and watch um a movie which i just i mean i used to joke with you and, and call them not real movies and things like that but like i've just been uh I was a little stoned on the couch yesterday and i was just going through itunes and they had a documentary sale and i was just like into every trailer I put on. I'm like, fuck, I gotta watch more documentaries. And I think it was the last dance being kind of the main catalyst to, to me going, Oh fuck. Okay. I'm starting to notice that I'm watching more doc series and I kind of want to watch more movies. So, um, there's a great documentary sale on Apple right now where they have a ton of movies for under $10, a lot of them $5. Um, so I got like, um, uh, won't you be my neighbor? I picked up, um, Honeyland. I picked up the biggest little or biggest little farms on Netflix. I think so. Some recent stuff, and then trying to go through. I wanted to watch that. I don't know if you've watched it yet, Eric, but the the Spielberg doc on HBO. I have. It's um, okay. It's okay. It's way right, too yeah. long for what it is. It's over two hours, right? Yeah, yeah. And it so just, I don't know. Like it's not. It's not like the the De Palma doc, and I think that's kind of what I want. I like that to doc be. too. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't go into his failures as much as I was hoping to, because like you hear the good stuff with Spielberg all the time. And like, it's always great to hear him talk about, you know, Jaws kind of making his career and catapulting him into one of the, you know, hottest filmmakers in, in, you know, the 1970s. But like, I actually wanted to hear him kind of go into more detail with stuff like always and actually hear him say like, okay, this movie failed, but this is kind of what I was going for and actually really look at it from a retrospective point of view. And he never really does. And again, like a lot of the interviews that you get in that movie feel like it's just self-congratulatory, you know, Spielberg's the greatest. And again, like it's like Jordan, I get it. He is the greatest. He's one of the best. He's, he's, he's amazing at what he does, but you wanted it to I, go I, a little like, bit deeper. Yeah, and I just want to hear him talk maybe a little bit more profoundly and a little bit more sincerely about his failures, you know? That's fair. It was $5, yeah. so I don't mind, but um... It's not bad though. I mean, like if you're like if you're a Spielberg completist or just kind of want to get an idea of what his whole filmography is, not just the films that he's directed, but the stuff that he's produced and the people he's worked with, it's it's a it's fine. And then I also put on um which is a movie we saw, I think, together at TIFF, but Room 237, because I was a little bit stoned on my couch. So I'm like, oh, this would be a great movie to watch right now. Um, put it on. And I was like, oh, wait, I remember I didn't like this movie. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I just like I, I put it on and I felt it was rambling and like and didn't have really a structure at the beginning. And um, uh, it goes immediately into that um, that guy talking about, you know, the uh, the trials of the uh, uh american indian and things like that and seeing all that imagery in in the in erection the yeah and like i just 
I was like, there's no fucking structure to this. It just kind of jumps into this and it feels very rambling. And like they did this interview and they just let it run with this guy and then put random footage. And I'm like, how do you start your shining dock with like a whole bunch of footage from eyes wide shut? And I'm like, it doesn't, I just, I don't know. Like I get what they were doing when he, Tom Cruise going down into the cinema. It's eyes wide shut, right? That they use that stuff from. And then. Yeah, so they um, used, uh, from what I remember, because it's been a while since I've seen that, they use Eyes Wide Shut, uh, they use the Italian horror movie um, Demons yeah. uh, for like a lot of the, the movie theater shots, and obviously there was something else as well. I can't yeah, remember. I mean, but it just felt weird to me that you're doing a doc about The Shining and like you you're have this guy talking, but then you're showing footage from Eyes Wide Shut. And um, I just remembered, I'm like, oh, wait, I remember seeing this at TIFF and being very underwhelmed with it. And remember considering it like some random YouTube video that I would watch about The Shining or something like that. Anyways, do you remember? Yeah, you saw me it? At, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel the same way. Like I was kind of excited about it, but then watching the film i was disappointed but the one movie i will recommend of of that director uh rodney asher and i think you'd actually like it although i think it would freak you out because i remember watching it it kind of freaked me out as well um is a is a documentary he he did called uh the nightmare which is about sleep paralysis and how Mm -hmm. like people in kind of a half conscious unconscious state are basically frozen uh lying in their bed and how that was kind of like the beginning of like, you know, Freddy Krueger, the creation of that. And they have people like Wes Craven talking about it, but it's kind of, I think what he wanted to do with the shining doc and sort of kind of combined both reenactments and sort of, you know, your classic talking heads documentary footage with actual, um, iconography from horror movies that kind of blends well together and he doesn't have to necessarily just focus on a nightmare on elm street he can actually play with kind of like surrealist fantasy movies as well and it's it is truly a creepy and unsettling film and i think that's the one people should check out if if they want to see one of his movies which is the nightmare so yeah cool man yeah i i'm i'm definitely uh down a dock hole right now and um that's a weird saying i just made that up um but Get i forget what hole. <laughs> yeah i forget what else i bought what else did i purchase oh i bought three identical strangers i bought life itself um these were all like you know five dollars on itunes so yeah because um, they're not real movies yeah uh spielberg <laughs> um things like that i'll go into what else i i purchased uh later in the show when we talk about uh you know, what's what we're streaming at home. Um, watching. Uh, we talked about a bunch of TV. What else did I watch? I finished up my Transformers, uh, you know, rewatch. Finally got to Bumblebee. Did I talk about the last night? I think I did. It was terrible. It's awful. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Um, but I did watch Bumblebee, which I still think is a, is a lot of fun. Um, and the most coherent and entertaining, tra- the only good Transformers movie. Um Whoa, 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 whoa. The only good live action. Sure, sure, sure. I might actually. Animated kids movie is great. Is that, is that available anywhere or do I have to just get the Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a shout uh, Blu-ray release, but it should be available on iTunes too. It it wasn't because I I do want to watch it because I think uh, the kind of funny dudes are going to add it onto their in review at the end. 
and I don't, God, I can't remember the last time I've seen it, but I love Transformers. And when I was a kid, I remember having, um, Beast Wars. Yeah. Beasties here in Canada, I think it was called, right. Or was it Beast Wars here? I forget, but, um, yeah, Beasties slash Beast Wars was our jam in the nineties. And then I remember having the, uh, Optimus Prime fire truck toy, which was one of my favorites and, uh, which was dope. Um, but yeah, Bumblebee's excellent. I, I I really think like as corny as it is, and like um, John Cena's terrible, but like it kind of works. And how's movie. his hair though? Um, it's better in that movie. It's not. I mean, or is his uncomfortable hair in that movie too? But um, he's he's bad, but it kind of works. Um, but I just love the actual Transformers in that movie, like seeing their '80s style like on Cybertron, and then the sound effects from that era. And then I, they just actually give Bumblebee a personality and you kind of connect with him. And it is very much just ET. Um, but you know, I, I, I dig it. And I think I like Haley Steinfeld a lot and, um, uh, the eighties setting I think helps. And, uh, it's definitely the least obnoxious, the most coherent, the most entertaining, um, the most it actually has a plot and a story that you can follow and kind of connect with. Um, so that alone makes it, <laughs> the best Transformers live action movie. And um, I had a good time rewatching it. it. looked good in 4k soundtrack was dope. So I uh, had a good time. Um, watched my criterion edition of the grand Budapest hotel um, with Nevis. And what a delightful movie that is. Uh, the transfer is incredible. Um, I just, I, I love everything about that movie. Um, reason why it was on my best of the decade list. And um I just love the way that it, he plays with aspect ratios and the different time periods. I mean, just the set design of that entire movie. Uh, Ray Fiennes is, I think, one of the best actors alive. Um, it's such a uh, the guy can do comedy. He can do you know playing something super serious. He can go do a big franchise thing like Harry Potter, uh, then go to Bond, and then do something uh, like in between. And I just think he, he's. He's fantastic. Tony Ravioli breaking onto the scene in this movie. Like, I, I don't know. It's the, the first Wes Anderson movie I remember uh, actually falling in love with and then um, made me go back and want to rewatch his other stuff. And I've come to enjoy many more that I kind of originally shrugged off. Um, but I don't know if you've gotten your copy yet or if you've uh, put it on. But some of the behind-the-scenes stuff is – is fantastic. I started putting on the documentary and it kind of just lets you, you know, experience that set. Like it's not really set up as a, you know, traditional documentary. It's just kind of footage of them on set, building the sets, Wes Anderson talking to the actors um, and things like that. And it was just, I, I haven't watched the entire thing yet, but um, uh, really, really cool and really, really well done and uh, glad I picked it up. Yeah, it's 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 a great movie. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'll I'll get to it probably in the next week or so because it's one of those films that I could just throw on and watch and just kind of indulge in and and you know it's an easy watch too, especially you know with what's going on now in the world. It's it's probably even more of a delight to kind of just find something to distract yourself with, and and I like that you know like after or at the time that he was making fantastic Mr. Fox, it was like, you can tell that's where he decided to be just make live action cartoons with grand Budapest and moonrise kingdom and, you know, everything since then. So 
it'll be interesting to see how the French dispatch plays um, uh, whenever we get to see that movie and, and will it live up to what the grand Budapest uh, hotel is? Cause I really like Isle of dogs as well. And I same, feel same. that that movie like coming after grand Budapest just didn't get its fair wag of its tail uh, because it's, you know, coming after like such a monumentous movie. Like I think grand Budapest is probably one of his top three best films at least at this point totally agree and i should correct myself i do love fantastic mr fox but i think i I originally felt like that was a one-off and eric the way the light is shining on your hair right now makes you look like you have like uh like you're bald it's uh (laughs) it's quite quite a look quite a look um (laughs) you look like you got the like hulk hogan kind of like hair going on brother um but yeah, I'm I'm super super excited for Friends Dispatch and and we're supposed to get it in what October now, but um yeah. Who the hell knows. Um two other movies I watched which I will hold um for a future episode coming up very soon. Ooh. Um so I won't talk about those. Um not embargoed, but it kind of goes in line with what I was talking about last week, uh which you'll hear on the next episode. Um and then I watched last night um as I was scrolling through all these documentaries and I bought a whole bunch of them and then I ended up watching once upon a time in Hollywood again, um, randomly put it on at like, you know, 9 PM and didn't, didn't expect to, um, watch the entire thing. I don't know what I was doing, but I was just, you know, vibing on the couch scrolling through. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to watch once upon a time in Hollywood, um, popped it on and, uh, ended up, I wanted to see what the 4k looked like and uh, watch that opening scene. And before I know it, three hours later um, <clears throat> I finished the entire movie and uh, what a picture, man um, to quote the great Al Pacino in that movie. But I just Who's found 80 myself now? 80. Yeah. Was it his birthday oh, yeah. today? Recently? When? Uh, recently, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, Good for yeah. him. You know, Dunk get himself a Dunkachino. <laughs> um but I this is the first have you rewatched it since uh seeing it in, in theaters or or no? Uh no, not yet. Yeah, I mean we saw it um I saw it at Lightbox that first screening, which was fantastic. Then we went and saw the seventy millimeter after recording the podcast down at oh, Varsity, yeah. um, which was a whole another wonderful experience. And I think just watching it at home and being able to kind of just, you know, sit and mind you, I was a, a, a little bit stoned while I was watching it, which definitely helped. But, um, I just had a smirk on my face, that whole fucking movie. And I just, it, it's such a good time. And like, I, I actually kept taking notes throughout because I was just like noticing things I didn't notice on those first couple watches or just like things I did notice, but there were reasons why, I just really, really fucking love the movie. Like one of the first things I noticed is just like, I know we talked about it in our, our first review, but like how cool Brad Pitt is and the cliff character is in this entire movie. Um, it's just astounding. And a lot of that is Brad Pitt, but like just even the things of like him being a stunt man and a stunt driver and just the difference in the way he drives when he's with um, uh, Rick. And then when he gets into his own car and he's just flying through the streets of LA, like driving like a maniac, but he's still so 
calm and cool, like swerving in and out all of these cars, not stop, like swerving around corners. But it just, you can tell like, yes, he is a stunt driver, but this is just the way that he drives. Him driving through LA like that is just something I didn't actually, I guess, notice on that first watch or those first couple watches. It was like, oh, he's driving like a stunt man throughout all of it this thing but he's just sitting there stone faced like it's nothing just swerving out of these cars and um i also love how qt makes hollywood feel like a it has like a small town vibe in the movie um which i think is really really interesting and and having that everyone in hollywood knows each other and i mean there's a reason for that with them all being even if you don't know someone you know of them um but even the moments where um uh, uh brad pitt seeing the margaret um is it qualey margaret qualey 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 um seeing her character the three times before he eventually kind of gives her uh, a ride is just like i don't know it gives me that like weird like almost like beach town like cottage town vibe which is something that i don't think you would like necessarily expect in like los angeles and just maybe that's the how the 60s were or just he wanted that small town vibe to make it seem like everyone kind of um knows each other um and something that i noticed when we saw the 70 mil version and just something you can notice in 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 tarantino's movies is just like the texture that the 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 film stop like this sounds pretentious and i hate sounding like this person but like because i'm really the I I've jumped on the digital train early and like a movie is a movie to me. Like I I love the look of film, but I don't think that necessarily means you can't shoot digitally and make something look fantastic. Um, Mind you, I just feel like this movie, the the colors and the, the texture this movie has, I think is fucking incredible. And like the flesh tones, which sounds really weird, but like it's something I noticed on that 70 millimeter version and in 4k, you can really see it as well. And it just feels lived in and, and like realistic. And um, I don't know, like the, the flesh tones is just something I noticed where I'm like, it has a different vibe. It doesn't have that digital plasticky TV look that you talk about a lot. Um, right. which I hate. And, and, and I think some digital movies can make things look fantastic, but it's just something I noticed last night, um, as well. Um, the weirdly comical moments like cliff jumping onto his roof, um, like the little parkour moment I think is fantastic. Um, uh, the stuff with his wife. Um, and I know we talked about this in our review and we were kind of going back and forth of, um, if Cliff murdered his wife or not. And it insinuates that he probably did, but I don't know. I also think that's like an interesting commentary on like when you're in Hollywood and you're this famous actor or, or stunt man or whoever. And, um, and people seem to know who you are without really knowing you at all. And I think you could say this about both main characters, right? Because people have this preconceived kind of impression of you based on what they hear in the media um what you've been accused of and i'm not saying yeah let's defend the white dude who might have did something horrible to his wife but like the way that the movie kind of puts that out there and shows you that that scene where we went back and forth where we're like is it is it from his point of view and i know the the fight with bruce lee is something that people kind of criticized as well and then some people went well it seems like it's his you know his version of it in his head right because he's on the roof and then he start he takes off his shirt he looks fantastic um and then he has this sequence where he remembers what happened on the set of the green hornet 
And you could take that as, okay, was that something, his version of that? That's why it was a little, you know, overly stylized, made him look better than Bruce Lee, kind of made Bruce Lee look like an idiot, um, things like that. And then you made the great point of being like, yes, but you do see that sequence inside of Rick's trailer where he's talking to um, uh, Kurt Russell. uh, Russell. And to me, upon rewatch, I'm like, yeah, you could take that as though that if it's from Cliff's point of view, he's just sitting outside the trailer. He can probably hear everything that's going on. And then, so it almost switches perspectives, which I think is maybe not the best thing if you're trying to say, oh, this was in his head. So that's why the Bruce Lee stuff might've been a little ridiculous and things like that. But to me, I still do view that as, you know, then you get the flashback within the flashback and then seeing what happened with his wife. And I don't know. I just think it's more complicated than that than just, just saying it's black and white. Like, yes, he killed his wife and it's black and white that, you know, that scene with Bruce Lee um, is offensive because of those reasons. And I don't know. I just, I thought that was really interesting. And um, uh, I really did love that, that sequence being in his, his version of it when he's on the roof. Um you can jump in at any point if you have anything to oh, say. Oh yeah, no, this, I w- I, have... I want to say so, uh, something about the yeah. sort of like that beach community thing that, that yeah. up, I think is interesting because Tarantino talked a lot about it as well, you know, during the press is that you see LA from different perspectives and different points of view whether, you know, it's from the studio system and looking at like behind the scenes of, of Hollywood and the making of movies or the seedier side or the darker side of Hollywood, or again, like something that is kind of more laid back. But I think what his approach here was to see a local perspective, like just a local community kind of vibe and like how that is kind of, a strange kind of concept for something like Mm -hmm. LA because LA, you know, like New York is such a kind of big, larger than life kind of location that when you think of it from the point of view of being a tourist or someone that is, you know, having been there, you look at it on a grand scale, but someone who lives there and has lived there their whole life looks at it as, small right because like it's them going to work or them going to a restaurant or getting their coffee and doing the daily routine that is normal to them and and just living there is different than visiting and i think that was kind of tarantino emphasizing sort of the community aspect of it as well and just kind of being someone who lives there and knows the streets and knows the locations and can be cruising down you know one of the main intersections and not really even blink when uh you know they're they're driving because they've done it so many times yeah they yeah know it so well it's like the back of their hand and that's the kind of feeling that you get from this movie is that tarantino is showing you like okay this is where I grew up, this is my home. This is everything I know. And this is how I'm going to show LA in this specific time period and how I'm going to present it to an audience, even though it takes place in the 1960s. And it's my point of view from when I was growing up as a child. So you get these kind of interesting layers on top of the the meta stuff that's going on is in there as well. And again, with the flashback, it's kind of interesting that like you're looking at it like you know it's it's within a flashback within a flashback but also it's coming from Tarantino so it's Tarantino kind of conceiving the idea that you know 
this character will fight Bruce Lee where you think like, oh, is he now like basically giving the middle finger to Bruce Lee? Because Bruce Lee was like a Michael Jordan where he was a very yeah. cocky individual who could back up what he was, you know, he, he, he could walk the walk and talk the talk. And, you know, he's, we know, I think we all know that Tarantino loves Bruce Lee because I mean, why would he spend so much time basically paying tribute to him in the Kill Bill? In Kill Bill, Bill yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so like with this, I think it's almost like a child fantasizing, like, you know, sparring with, you know, their favorite wrestler or something like that. Like, yeah, in, like in I would give way. Stone Cold Steve Austin a stunner in my version of, yeah. of history, because that sounds cool to me, but it's not necessarily what would actually happen. Um, no. But no, I, I liked that. I'm like, uh, you put it perfectly. And, and a couple more things I just noticed on this rewatch. And I, I think this is a near perfect movie. And I think it keeps rising up. I, we did our Tarantino rankings before cliche film bro thing to do, but we did that on a different episode, but this movie just, I think gets better and better upon rewatch. And, and I think it is a weirdly easy watch. Um, one other thing I noticed that was just really funny that I just didn't catch the first couple times is anytime, Rick is rehearsing his lines um just the accents and how stupid he was in in giving really cliched kind of offensive accents to you know um his counterparts in his scenes so he would have the recordings of the other actors that he would voice so in that first scene where he's talking to the bartender um he just gives him a really cliched like looney tunes mexican accent and then later i think he gives the um the Luke Perry um character a British accent because in the in the dialogue he says he he fought for the British forces even though he's from Boston or whatever so I don't know that I, I don't know if I'm even like right on that second point but j they're just these like little things that I noticed that are just like kind of um ripping on the that you know actors and things like that and just like I I just laughed really 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 hard at that and then the final thing um i think even people that i think know or you know people who aren't huge cinephiles or, or or film people um um i think going into this you i mean the tension is throughout the whole movie i think even on rewatch the spawn ranch scene is is incredible and and we talked about in our original review of how he kind of he obviously plays with history but he also plays with your expectations of that his history as well and like um and you might assume that oh shit this is when this thing is going to happen because i know in history a uh stuntman got killed at the at the spawn ranch right but and i think that's what makes that scene so tense but even knowing what happens again i still feel like that tension is, is just is is palpable and just incredible in that scene and and the way that he goes the the only reason he gives um uh, uh margaret uh Qualley's, um character a ride is because he he thinks something's going something's wrong at that ranch right right when she mentions that's where she lives he's like oh yeah i'll drive you there because he's like that's fucking weird why is this hippie girl who's this underage hippie girl living at spawn ranch and just that whole scene of him going there and interrogating them all is just fantastic but then leading into people's expectations of even what a tarantino movie is and yes it's very talky there's a ton of dialogue but there's also usually a ton of violence and um throughout the entire film and not just in the last act so um i noticed that there's a line on uh the tv at the very end of the movie um 
when uh, right before the you know the acid cigarette last act happens where it kind of focuses on the tv and the only like audible piece of dialogue is like and now it's time uh for what i know you've all been waiting for and then that kind of kicks off the last act which i just kind of laughed at because it's just like i don't know this weird meta commentary of like okay i know you guys you might have enjoyed this kind of weird talky hangout movie that not much has happened even though it's a series of fortunate events that lead them ultimately to save quote unquote the, the the princess or whatever and i think margot robbie is fantastic in this movie too um but that line and then that kicks off that fucking insane last 15 minutes i think is is fantastic and it just kind of made me giggle um before we got into that and i just had a smile throughout the whole movie and then getting to that last act and even knowing it's coming and then you watch it again and it's fucking insane and it's so violent and just really really batshit and then when you get to that flamethrower moment at the end um is just is is so funny and just dark and and uh i just love this movie i think it's fantastic even though now we just did a redux of our review of once upon a time in hollywood but but that's the thing about this movie and and it's it's the thing about a lot of tarantino films is that yeah you can you can criticize him as not really changing his style too much in the last 10 15 years or so but at the same time i think a lot of his movies are so rewatchable and every time you you put it on one you just kind of get taken into his world again but at the same time you can always find something new or something to enjoy that you might have missed the first time there's enough detail to really get something out of you know repeated viewings and I think that's why, like, in my, it's, it's, it's a close call, but I think Inglorious Bastards is my favorite of his, but I I would definitely say Hollywood, Pulp Fiction, and Bastards are the three, but then, like, even Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown, like, Jackie Brown's the one for me that keeps getting better, because I think it's the one I've watched the least, and I didn't give it the credit it was due originally when i saw it and and now when i watch it i'm like this is just as good i i don't know what my hang-up was maybe it was because you know this isn't a quote-unquote original quentin tarantino and i'm uh, with you and i i feel like i'm in i'm still in that boat right where i haven't quite gotten over that hump of of turning from a ah it's my least favorite because it's the least like his other stuff um but I, I do, I mean, again, instantly rewatchable, as you put it. So I, I definitely will go through and watch them all again, especially whenever that final movie, whatever it ends up being, comes out. But yeah, I'm with you. I think our those top three are probably the same for me. And then, well, Kill Bill is one that I have a soft spot for that I just really, really love. But and the hateful eight's in this kind of weird zone because I really love that movie a lot, but I know that that one seems to be like, I talk uh, with my brother Kyle about this all the time. Um, cause he hates it. Uh, <laughs> especially because just, just from a cinematographer point of view, like he just, why feels you like would shoot that on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I get that, but, but there's something about that movie that I really like where it's almost like y- you couldn't have once upon a time in Hollywood without, the hateful eight because the hateful eight is like just pure uncut Tarantino and him just going like 
full out like violent and excessive and all those idioms and those quirks that he has are on display throughout the entirety of the hateful eight and they're there in once upon a time in hollywood but they're he's more relaxed so it kind of feels almost like he you know flushed his system of all that excess to make once upon a time in hollywood and i don't think you could have had it without the hateful eight not saying that that makes the hateful eight a better movie i'm just saying that that you know adds to the point of view that you know the hateful eight i think has a place in his filmography that will be interesting to kind of go back and revisit in you know uh years to come when we are looking at his filmography as a whole the 10 movies that tarantino directed and see kind of where it ultimately lands on his filmography because again i mean the other thing that tarantino has been trying to make over and over again besides the revenge movie is the western and you know out of all of his films i mean kill kill bill maybe coming in second in django but the hateful eight is like a pure spaghetti western you know in a lot of ways and what he's wanted to to do his whole career i mean he's talked about you know the great silence forever and and so him doing his version of that is is you know what the hateful eight ultimately is and even going back to hollywood like i love that he shoots all the lancer stuff just like it was a straight up like it feels like 10 movies in one at sometimes and in it the way that he you know jumps around from someone's perspective into a piece of footage from a movie that rick dalton did to him shooting lancer but tarantino shoots it like he's shooting a his own western kind of thing and like going you know the juxtaposition between him flubbing those lines obviously to him absolutely crushing doing his essentially his django villain in the next scene um to a to a degree but yeah i mean yeah fantastic fantastic movie um anything else that you uh you said you covered a couple things for rogers or what else have you been watching this week yeah so i'll i'll go through it i have i have quite a list okay Uh, we already took 50 minutes on this, but we'll take another hour on your stuff. No, I don't want to yeah. cut you. you. You tell us what you've been watching. Okay, so going down the doc uh, road, I just watched, before we started recording this, uh, Spaceship Earth, which is a documentary from uh, director and producer Matt Wolf, which is about Biosphere 2, the failed experiment in 1991, where eight... Uh, s- biosphere inhabitants they're not scientists per se um, but they're people that work in the field but also are theater performers kind of bohemian avant-garde thinkers being sort of encapsulated in this bubble this biodome for two years and how that comes to be um, which i think is is a fascinating movie but i think when it goes to sort of how this group is formed which is the first half of the movie i think that part is the weaker aspect where i wanted to spend more time with seeing the the eight people inside this biodome and the media around it i think that was the most interesting part of it and even afterwards like the the last 10 15 minutes of the movie Um, It feels only like it's just getting started because after um, 
this biodome is kind of like the, it's it's a failed experiment so like a lot of scientists in the community kind of poo-pooed it to begin with because they felt that it was not really scientific in nature and the people that were putting it together had no real scientific or science background to really you know begin with uh john allen specifically was the creator of this who kind of comes off as almost like an l ron hubbard cult kind of leader but he's not as insidious although you're kind of waiting for something to be revealed about him and that never really comes up um but in like the last act like it, that's it's taken away from him the project's taken away from him and steve bannon comes in to run the project <laughs> and it's it's so weird because it's like steve bannon in 1991 it's like between 91 and like the american uh dharma which we saw it's like what happened to the guy like he looked like a normal person and like this harvard educated guy who who wasn't great for this to begin with like and he you know was looking at uh, the project is like a short-term investment to recoup the money that this uh, oil tycoon has put into it um, to to make the money back. But at the same time, it's almost like it's it's just so strange seeing you know this at total asshole scumbag kind of as more normal, I guess, as a person. Right. Even though he still doesn't have you know, the best interests uh, of, of, of people working on this thing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a great movie, it just feels like that last half an hour is the most interesting stuff. And especially with like the idea of interplanet sort of colonization. And like, we've seen it in movies. They even reference the uh, silent running, the Bruce uh, Dern movie. I even thought a little bit of, um, Danny Boyle's Sunshine, where you have the Michelle Yeoh character growing plant life in their spaceship, and that's how they're kind of basically surviving, like, oxygen-wise. And it's an interesting idea, and, like, even in the 1960s and 70s, kind of when they're building up to how this thing kind of got started, they talk about global warming then, and how people will be kind of ignorant and not really care to do anything, and it'll just get worse and worse to the point where we will have to literally live in these kind of communities because we won't be able to breathe the air anymore but again like it feels like it's two movies that kind of i get what it's doing and laying the groundwork but i think the more interesting stuff is just biosphere 2 uh which you know you could even say that that's derivative because it was covered so much in the media in the early 90s but it's such an interesting premise and sort of what went on with that and how much of a, a disaster it was in the last year or so because it was like a two-year project that these group of eight people were to live in this small confined space which is basically like a microcosm of earth so they brought in like all this plant life all this animal life like it's basically and they even say it in the, in the doc it's like noah's ark you're bringing in one or two of everything right and right survive within it so it, it, it comes out on uh may 8th and I, I would definitely say it's worth checking out um but again like i think that there's a better movie or a more interesting film that could proceed it if if the filmmaker were to continue like there's questions that feel like they're unanswered or at least just kind of like the surface is is being scratched so i i would recommend it it's from yeah it's a neon uh release in the u.s elevation pictures has it here but it's 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 good 
Um, Eric only giving a neon movie a good rating. I don't know. I thought that money would buy that money would buy them a great rating, but I know, I know. Uh, What's not good is uh, Apple uh, TV Plus's The Banker with Oh, you did watch it, yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson. It is so bland. It is like a bloodless J. Rowe HBO movie. Um, it's so clean and polished. And I, I don't mind Anthony Mackie in supporting roles like The Hurt Locker or Half Nelson. And We're on the like same that. page. <laughs> but as a lead, he is so boring. And I mean, even as a support, like in certain supporting roles, he's fine. But I just, I find him so boring like he's the him is in the marvel movies is not good anyways yeah so for people that don't know what the banker is the banker is the story of this brilliant real estate investor who knows the math and sort of what goes sort of on sort of like the mechanics of building sort of a foundation and 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 an empire on housing uh, and this takes place in the early 1960s. The only problem is, is that he's African-American and a lot of the people that he's working with within uh, the Los Angeles community um, are white. And it's a system that's stacked against people of color to begin with. And so he has to partner with Samuel Jackson's kind of playboy uh, nightclub owner to invest in sort of buying this kind of big bank um to get the loans that he needs and it's it's very convoluted but at the same time there's like a couple sequences in there that are kind of interesting where it's almost like they're pulling off a heist because what they do is they hire uh nicholas holt who plays kind of like a handyman who you know works for uh Mackie and samuel jackson's character as kind of like a front to get in the door he's kind of like a trojan horse kind of thing um but overall, it's just kind of a lightweight HBO movie at best. And I think kind of what's best known about it or what people will take away from it is that it was supposed to play uh, the AFI Film Festival, but was pulled uh, as the closing film because the son of uh, the Anthony Mackie character um, was accused of sexual assault. So um, that's why the movie was was pulled and then released uh, in early 2022. I think it was in February or March when when it first premiered on Apple TV Plus. What made you uh, go watch it? Just because you know it was there, it, and you because kinda... it was the only. Yeah, it was. I mean, after new? Uh, the Beastie Boys doc, <laughs> yeah. it was kind of like okay, I'll, I'll like I really like that movie quite a bit. I'll I'll check this out and see see if it's if it's worth you know keeping apple tv plus for exactly exactly and it's it's not not at all that's fair (laughs) i think it's it's just it's a mediocre the beastie boys doc is the only thing i think i've watched on apple tv plus i mean i have it for free for a year because i got an iphone or whatever um and i that's all i've watched and there are a couple of things on there like you know m night Shyamalan's, i think uh, the servant or servant is on there that i kind of wanted to check out um i think there are a couple other things but i don't know there's so much tv that i haven't heard anything great from any of it right some people like the morning show yeah. but i don't know yeah it, it's it's one of those uh streaming services where it's like it's probably like your like bottom two picks. It's like, okay, well what, what am I going to spend, 
you know, uh, five ninety nine or ten ninety nine a month on and, and and keep going. Obviously Netflix, and then you think of some of the more niche stuff like Criterion Channel or you know if you're in the U.S. Hulu things like that. Like it, it's it's the bottom tier, and there's just yeah they they don't even have like really one kind of flagship show that is kind of like you have you to, have to you know yeah invest in apple tv plus to watch this and and like you said i think probably the morning show is the closest to that but but even then i heard very yeah yeah a a house of cards or a stranger things or something like that right that you can kind of ride off ride off that coattails for five seasons or something right and then people will continue to subscribe just for that and then yeah the a24 apple movies are bonus on top of that right but i'm at that point where when my subscription comes up in November or whatever it is, like there's not a chance in hell unless you have some banger on there or that like, I'm not going to continue subscribing and you're not just going to be like, you might get to a point where if you're like, well, if you own two Apple products, we'll give it to you for free. Like they're going to continue to do shit like that probably. But even like the Sofia Coppola movie or um, you can just subscribe for one month. I'll pay that six dollars i'll watch the sofia coppola movie and then i'll fuck off like i i just don't understand i guess they have so much money that it doesn't matter and it's probably just another thing that they can have and they'll keep dumping trucks full of money on people's doorsteps before until they get that thing but when you have people like i mean they had spielberg come in and do i mean he didn't direct it but like he came in and produced amazing stories um you have people like M night Shyamalan do like a horror show. They have that Chris Evans show. I think that just dropped. Um, and just oh, none of it, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. And none of it has really been like, Oh fuck, you got to watch that. Right. Like I, you, every network has those few shows probably per year, whether HBO with Watchmen or, um, recently. And, and I, I mentioned stranger things with Netflix and, um, fx with things like dev devs and and recently and like even those shows i've heard way more buzz from uh and maybe they're more niche but like from even from those groups maybe apple's trying to go too broad with it where you're you're not going to hit anyone if you go too broad because everyone's going to be like all right it's like the ron howard of streaming services it's like yeah everything looks okay it's fine but i don't really care about any of it i'm not going to go out of my way for it so i don't know it's been pretty i don't know it's it's been there everything looks and sounds great because it's all in dolby vision and 4k and dolby atmos and they definitely put a lot of money into some of the stuff it's just like you don't have anything to make me care the beastie boys thing was the first thing so i'm i will not probably watch the banker but we could have reviewed it but i was like eh, it's probably too who cares <laughs> yeah and that's exactly what the movie is I mean, I think Apple TV Plus's slogan at this point should just be, at least we're not Quibi. Right. That's true. How long is Quibi going to last? Well, that's the thing. Like, people are always kind of embarrassed to admit defeat. And I feel like Apple TV Plus and Quibi will be those sort of platforms that'll keep going even when they've clearly... I mean, I I think Quibi's already finished really in terms of just like interest levels being kind of peaked as soon as it was launched i mean it was kind of like oh that okay so yeah that's what you're doing but i could just go onto youtube and watch a video on youtube instead you know 
Yeah, and YouTube tried that same uh, thing and they failed, right? So Yeah, exactly. So like yeah, I just feel like with with the people behind these things, it's kind of like we don't want to admit defeat, so we'll just keep pouring countless amounts of money into it until we run out and we just can't do it anymore and we have to call it quits. And that's the thing with Apple though, I don't think they'll ever run out of money. So I think even Right. <laughs> like maybe eventually they go, Okay, this we're losing a ton of money on this. I think we could keep going because it doesn't matter. We have so much, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't even know what they have in the pipeline. The A twenty four stuff's the only stuff that I know about. Yeah, I mean, obviously the uh, the Sofia Coppola uh, Bill Murray reunion movie uh, on the rocks. I think will probably be their first kind of big play when it comes to award season and just sort of. A, just a, a a big movie like i don't want to say that like beastie boys uh story isn't isn't good because like it, it it is i think like it is like their best thing that they have or at least what people would kind of be interested in watching um but i think that that sofia coppola film will kind of at least raise its profile um a little bit um, mostly with probably the, the film fans and cinephiles and probably yeah, maybe from like um yeah. like an award perspective yeah <laughs> so god Uh, that mother that motherfucker texted me and he's like i i I couldn't stop laughing because you guys were ripping on me for buying a fucking 25 dollar u.s water bottle god damn it ben but i mean i love you but like 25 dollars for a water bottle from a24 i was wearing my a24 hoodie i posted a photo today i i just shit talk him and then i talk about my hoodie um (laughs) i also bought um with all this when all this COVID shit started happening and we were like scrambling to try and be like, Oh, should we get masks or, or, or things like that? Like, I don't know what the hell, like, is it going to be mandatory? Things like that. Trying to find alternatives. So I, I bought a, which I'm wearing on my head right now. So Eric can see, and it was a picture I posted. Oh, I thought that today. was a headband. Uh, it, well, it kind of is. It's got many uses, Eric. I bought a buff, like, you know, from like survivor, the buffs that they wear. <laughs> They're like these headband things that like you can, they're, I don't know. I bought one cause I'm like, Oh, you can wear it over your face. So I'll wear it kind of as a, you know, a face mask if I have to go out or something like that. I was just trying to find alternatives. Uh, it took forever to get here. It finally got here today, but I did realize I can wear it like a looking glass mask from Watchmen or you posted a photo. Everyone was saying invisible man, looking glass. Um, you sent me a photo um what was it again screen and slaver yeah, yeah, from yeah. Uh, incredibles 2 yeah. yeah 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 um so anyways i can wear this thing as a full-on mask and it looks like a morph suit um so i'm wearing it as a headband right now because i took a shower right before this but i forget where i got to this point we were making fun of ben for his a24 water bottle um at least he didn't buy the gym shorts that would have been maybe a step too far but well i don't yeah. know Will Ben subscribe to Apple TV Plus to watch these A24 movies? The answer is yes. Um, anything else that you watched that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh God. God. You, oh, strap in, everybody. Survivor's on in an hour and 20 minutes, and Neva's going to kick okay. me off. I'll, 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 I'll burn through these quickly then because I don't <laughs> no, want to cut you Nevis off. From we got, there's not that much news anyway, so go as long as yeah. you want. It's fine. Uh, so uh, I jumping from uh, Apple TV Plus to Netflix, I finally caught up with uh, the platform, which played at TIFF last year, uh, Midnight Madness. Did it make um, you faint and vomit and barf? And, not and did, at an all. A- did an ambulance need to be called? 
Nope, I was eating Greek food during it as well. Wow, good for you. And it was not a, not affected one bit. But I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of horror movies, so yeah. maybe like I'm not, I, I'm just desensitized at this point from like right. the grotesqueness of it. But I understand like why people would be kind of grossed out by certain scenes. There's a sequence where the main character eats uh, maggots from a rotting body. So if you're unfamiliar with uh, the platform, it is a high concept uh, horror movie horror movie that's basically in the vein of like Vincenzo Natelli's cube and nothing where this platform is created. And the idea is that this platform comes down uh, every day with a table of food on it and realistically or theoretically um, each person in their cells, it's two people per cell and there's, over 200 cells that kind of go from one floor to the next. But if each person were to take their fair share of food and then leave the rest for the next, everybody would have enough food to survive the month. So the idea is that the, uh, you change your floor uh, at the end of every month, Um, take what you need. And then it goes down to the next floor. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is that, you know, nobody takes what they need. They take gluttony more than, yeah, exactly. And they leave nothing for anybody that's on, you know, like floor 56 or 57, you know, and so on and so forth. And you have this one guy who's kind of brought in and, and people volunteer uh, for this thing because you get a academic uh, accreditation and things like that, or you serve out a prison sentence a lot sooner. And you sort of see the dynamic of people that kind of come in and out of this one character's um, sort of point of view. And he's kind of a very kind, very reserved character who volunteered to do this, who is allowed to bring, you're allowed to bring in one thing and he brings in uh, a book about Don Quixote and sort of reads that and sort of how it all plays out. It's fine. I think it's an interesting enough idea to kind of keep you going for the hour and 36 minutes that it is, but it's also very shallow in sort of its allegory and what it's sort of bringing to the, to the, the table in terms of like, okay, well, you know, this is what you have to look at in terms of like, you know, the, the class warfare and the idea of, um, you know, working in a kind of almost socialist kind of party to make this kind of work and sort of the idea of like a rebellion kind of building or, or, or moving to that idea um, and, and leaving a message. But obviously it's very much a um, horror film. That's also more kind of playing it safe because it doesn't have a budget to work with. So it's playing on that concept more than anything else. And it's fine. Again, I think it's I think it's good for what it is. I think it being on Netflix is the perfect place for it. Um, there are two versions of the film that you can watch. There is the uh, original uh, Spanish language version, and there's also the English dub, which is Netflix. Keeps, Netflix does that because all their trailers are the English dub. Because yeah. I I, rem- I remember scrolling through, and I haven't watched it yet. I remember uh, Nevis talking about it. Um, when it was uh, playing the festival, uh, playing TIFF. But um, yeah, I remember scrolling past it on Netflix and then I'm like, wait a minute. Cause I heard like, Eng- like the English dialogue and I was like, and the same thing happened with that, uh, that German 
TV show that Netflix was had. It dark? Yeah, dark. I started watching it, and then the whole first. It's very smart how they do this to try and you know trick you into watching it. Um, where like the first five first couple minutes are all a, a voiceover, right? With just footage, right? So you're not actually seeing anyone talk. And then once people start talking, I'm like, oh, fuck, this isn't, why isn't it matching up? And I'm like, oh, it's in German. I'm like, uh, don't make English the 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 default. Put the default language as the default and let me choose exactly. the other thing. Yeah. Because did you have to switch it? Like, did it start I did, in English? Yeah. I hate yeah. that. It's the worst. And, like, it's weird because the movie starts with voiceover. Yeah, see, they do that. I guarantee they do that on purpose. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, oh, is some of this in English? Because I know it's it's a Spanish film. It's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, the dubbing is bad. Like, you can tell, like, with some of the characters, one of the cellmates, uh, the older cellmate that he has to begin with, like, that dubbing just does not sync at all and like some of them you can tell that they were trying a little harder but it just doesn't work so watch it the way it was intended to be watched you know listen to bong joon ho like imagine watching parasites imagine watching parasite dubbed (laughs) be awful (laughs) be terrible so yeah i just like i don't if like don't make it the default like i guarantee that they probably done their you know their research and they probably see that more people people won't even bother to start the movie if they know it's in a foreign language. So that's why English is the default language, but it's still gross. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so going from there, I went to Amazon uh, prime. And You've just been watched... a streaming boy, baby. I know. I, I watched uh, ex convict slash writer, director, John McTiernan. Well, not writer on this one. Anyways, uh, director, John McTiernan, best known for directing movies like uh, Die, Hard, and Die, Hard. Die Hard with a vengeance. Uh, his first movie called Nomads with uh, Pierce Brosnan from uh, the late 80s. It's about a uh, French anthropologist who is having these weird kind of surreal dreams after encountering a nomad group in Los Angeles. Pierce Brosnan plays the French anthropologist with one of the most out of this world French accents in movie history. Like if you watch this Mm. film for any reason, just like if you thought Pierce Brosnan was a bad singer in the Mamma Mia movies, you have to see his mastery of accents. And I like, I don't know what coked out eighties producer was like, wait, he's European, right? Yeah. Yeah. French, make him French. You can can pull off French. It is amazing. Because why not just make him English? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But anyways, it's, it's important to the character that he was French. I mean, he moved from, I mean, again, he's an anthropologist studying nomad cultures, but, but you could have no, had him. Come he he could have been Irish. Yeah. yeah. Or is that what Pierce Brosnan is? My bad. Yeah. Is he Irish? Yeah yeah. 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 There is the mistake that he is British because of Remington Steele and yeah. James Bond. Right. Like yeah. it, it's one of those things where that mistake is made, but like, I could understand that more than it's like, we got to make him French, <laughs> uh, but yeah. like, truly it is amazing. Like if you even just like watch a clip online, like it is better or worse than the Joseph Gordon-Levitt accent. 
Because that made me want to jump off of a giant tightrope on the top of a building. This will make you want to jump off of a tightrope, but it's also kind of weirdly fascinating. It's like a car wreck. You have to look at it as you're driving by. And, you know, the car wreck being Pierce Brosnan's French accent. (laughs) Our greatest French actors, Pierce Brosnan and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph (laughs) Gordon-Levitt. But it's it's not that good. It's 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 trying. I don't know really what it's trying to be. I don't think it ever really gets a tone completely. But there's a couple shots that McTiernan uses in Nomads that he will use in uh, Die Hard, which was his next movie afterwards. There's the shot of Alan Rickman falling uh, from the the plaza. Uh, the tower that is used in nomads before. So there's a couple shots here and there, and it is very stylish looking and of the time, like Adam Ant is one of the nomads that uh, Brosnan is following. So um, it's more of a curiosity than anything else. Um, I don't know if I would really recommend it, but again, if you're into, you know, eighties sci-fi horror, maybe give it a try. If you're into bad accents, definitely uh worth going for uh quickly i'll just i'll mention um i watched the new episode or the double feature of uh the last drive in uh episode two was chris uh, jericho on this one no unfortunately not but tom savini was oh uh, cool the movies were uh maniac which was one of tom savini's uh kind of most iconic and infamous films that he's worked on uh, because I mean, if you, if you're unfamiliar with uh, maniac, it's about a serial killer in early eighties, New York going around killing women and then having sex with mannequins back at home and has an Oedipus complex thing going on. Joe Spinell, who's a really good character actor um, who's worked in, you know, pops up in Rocky and the Godfather movies um, is the serial killer who also uh, co-wrote the script not a great movie, but the special effects are good. And, and listening to Tom talk about working on that in his new book was was interesting. And I I didn't really know a, a lot on him sort of being a photojournalist uh, during Vietnam and sort of him actually seeing firsthand, you know, people being S- Savini killed. was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was interesting hearing him just talk about that. So Oh, that's crazy. So he takes that and puts that into his special effects. Yeah, that's well, he, why he, they... he even talked to, to Tarantino. Like, So the one thing he talks about in the interview uh, as they're in between the uh, the screening of the film is like the with when it comes to cadavers, um, the one thing that is truly fake in Hollywood mm-hmm. movies is that everybody looks so pretty when they're, when they're on the table, you know, like when you watch a CSI or something that the best way to do it or the most authentic way is to have the actor uh, have their, cause your muscles, you lose control of your muscles yeah. is a slack jaw. So when yeah. you have your mouth open and gaping, that's like more realistic. And he told Tarantino this when they were working together on from dusk till dawn. And from then on, he's kind of been a consultant for, tarantino when it comes to uh dead bodies that's so <laughs> fucked yeah uh... uh and then the second movie of that double bill was uh heathers with uh winona Ryder and uh, christian slater and it's a film that kind of predates you know the mean girls and junos joe bob briggs mentioned that at the beginning of of, of the intro I, I watched this uh quite a bit in high school um 
I still like it quite a bit just in terms of where it is in history, but I feel like these movies, when they get remade, they're of the time and you can definitely tell like sort of as a high school teen satire on suicide and gun violence, it still has some resonance or at least it feels like maybe like some of it speaks to what has gone on today with Columbine and, and things like that. But it also is very much of the eighties with the dialogue and some of its offensive jokes and what have you. But at the same time, I think it's, it's an interesting sort of touchstone in eighties teen coming of age sort of genre filmmaking. And like Daniel Waters, who wrote the script was very much in line with that, this was going to be the anti John Hughes movie because he felt that, you know, kids in the eighties being portrayed in films weren't realistic. And I mean, this is not realistic in any means to begin with, but at least it is trying to do something that's a little bit more subversive. Um, So I would definitely recommend checking that out. If you're, if you're a fan of, you know, the high school teen angst kind of movies, this and like, class of 1984 i think would be a really good double bill because one of the biggest criticisms those films faced was when they came out was that they were unrealistic because what like critics were saying like there would never be you know like uh airport security uh uh detectors in in at a school frisking and things like that and it's like look how much it's changed since then so you know um so yeah heathers is is definitely worth checking out and it's it, it has some interesting dialogue in terms of the time and i i would wouldn't be surprised if tarantino is uh is a fan of it and it has a young christian slater doing a really strange although he's done it for most of his career uh jack nicholson impression right right i've never seen it i should watch it yeah i think it'd be worth again like i think it's one of those movies that like there's an affection towards it if you saw it at a certain time in your life, especially if For you sure. were a teenager and feeling alienated or outside or, or an outsider. But it does kind of like you can tell that like, you know, Tina Fey took a lot of inspiration for Mean Girls with like the the idea of like the cliques and things like that. Yeah. And how like there are the different groups and segregation throughout. Um and then very quickly, I'll just say I rewatched the FX movies uh, that co-starred uh, Brian Dennehy and Brian Brown, which was a, a, a double bill that I watched a lot as a kid. I had the VHS uh, copies uh, growing up. Kino uh, released them on Blu-ray in the last couple of years. And the guys on Film Junk had uh, reviewed the first one and watched the second one uh, recently. So I was like, OK, I'll, I'll watch this again because weirdly I watched these movies um not only as a kid but uh one summer when we had the family trip to uh heading east to nova scotia and quebec and new brunswick these films were on uh constant watch in the back of this uh van that we had yo we i i have such huge memories of of having a van and that old um VHS TV setup that you would have where you'd put it in between the two seats at the front. It'd be this yep. like little, yeah. And you'd have the VHS player and you had to like rent that thing or buy it or borrow it off someone. And for me, it was like the one we drove to Florida and, um, and I remember watching, uh, 
the Britney Spears movie Crossroads a, a lot. <laughs> like um, my sister was, I, and I mean, mind you, as a young boy, I was also um, obsessed with Britney Spears uh, from much different reasons than my sister but like i just remember watching crossroads over and over again because it was like one of the you know couple vhs tapes that we brought on this 24-hour drive to florida so i probably haven't watched crossroads since then um wonder if it holds up (laughs) i hope so we should review crossroads anything else uh no that's it cool uh i didn't even do an intro for this show uh, would it be weird to do one at an hour and 30 minutes? <laughs> It'd be avant-garde. Something if you guys different. didn't know, uh, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. <laughs> Each and every week, Eric and I uh, get together, shoot the shit, talk about what's going on in the entertainment industry. Uh, probably our longest intro segment yet because I forgot to do the actual intro. Um, we do this every week, yeah. Um, if you like this, we do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews uh, where Eric and I slightly... Um, more professionally and in a lot less time uh review new release films uh we have a couple new re- uh new reviews up on uh the service we reviewed um uh the netflix film extraction starring chris hemsworth as well as as we mentioned earlier in the show um a beastie boy story uh directed by spike jones which is on um apple tv plus so you guys can check out those uh we'll have reviews up for a couple new films in the next couple weeks we'll be reviewing um scoob which is next friday the 15th i believe uh as well as oh god i got a the email today to get the link what's that movie the, the high singing? note the high note let's review it why not <laughs> Uh, (laughs) we'll review the high note because uh we don't got much else so we'll be reviewing you know any movie that drops on premium vod or something like that uh we'll jump in and review as uh as well as you know if any movie drops on uh, apple tv plus or netflix eric and i maybe not every single one but eric and i will jump in there and review that so please go check out that channel which is untitled movie reviews uh, all right, we got through the what we've been watching, you know, in a in a breezy hour and a half. Uh, and now the moving, intro, yeah, and the intro. Uh, moving on to staying at home, I mentioned kind of the the doc uh, sale that was on uh, iTunes, so uh, I picked up the movies I mentioned earlier, being uh, Three Identical Strangers. Uh, I'm pulling up my Apple TV app. My bad. Um, uh, Life itself, which is the um, uh, Roger Ebert documentary, I picked up. Won't you be my uh, neighbor? Um, I picked up Spielberg. Um, I also picked up Little Women, which was ten dollars in four K um, Dolby Vision. Uh, I picked up Blind Spotting because Eric was like, "Hey Matt, if you want to see Wayne Knight at the beginning of uh, a movie, check out the beginning of Blind Spotting." So I watched the beginning of Blind Spotting. Got to about the Wayne Knight moment and then um, was starting to feel a little bit tired. Um, so I didn't That's talk about need, it all. It's just Wayne Knight. Yeah, I, I think I'll finish it. But um, I definitely see what you were saying where I, I – like I something with that movie is just not really gelling with me. Like it's got this – I just don't know if it knows what tone it wants to go for. Like it has this – it's trying for this like Edgar Wright kinetic energy in the editing and the um, snap zooms and focusing on, you know, as people like are 
grabbing things and opening. I, I don't know. And then it thinks it's funny, but it's also very serious at times. And like, it's almost cartoony in moments, but then I just didn't know what I was supposed to take from that first half hour. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it. Like it was okay, but uh, something about it was like, it's just extra. It's yeah. Literally throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, and it feels like you can tell, you know, from a first time filmmaker point of view that this movie is, is like, okay, well, you know, I have all the, all these ideas and I need to sort of explore them because this might be the only chance I have. And it kind of puts them together and it's like, okay, well, this is everything. And it, it's, it's very messy. It's rough around the edges. There's stuff in there that I think is good, but yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's just too much at times. Yeah. And that's what I kind of took from it from that first half an hour. I think I'll probably finish it cause it's only an hour and a half. So I probably only have an hour left, but um, I was, it was something about it. I was like, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent into this. Uh, then I picked up Waves in 4K Dolby Vision because it was $5. So, I mean, I know it was a movie that we had some issues with, uh, mainly in its length, um, some of its melodrama and things like that. And that first act I kind of had an issue with. But for $4.99 in 4K, I couldn't pass up uh, picking up Waves. And I mean, Trey Edward Schultz, um, one of my kind of favorite up-and-coming directors, um, if you haven't seen um, It Comes at Night, you guys should definitely check that out. Um, movies like Krisha, and he's done a couple other things too. But um, $4.99 for Waves in 4K I think is excellent. And then Little Women for $10, as much as I was kind of mixed on that movie, um, I did want to pick it up for, you know, it's in 4K Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos for $10. I'm like, that's a steal. So I will give that movie another shot eventually. Um, so that's what I picked up. Anything other than the Pink Panther collection for you, Eric? Well, that doesn't come out until uh, the oh 19th, next week. Oh, a couple actually. weeks. Okay, yeah. So a little sneak I'll, preview. A little sneak preview. I'll recommend that again uh, for for that week's episode. Uh, no, for this week, I will recommend uh, the Mask of Zorro on 4K, the Martin Campbell. Uh, adaptation with Antonio Banderas, Anthony Hopkins, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. It was a movie I used to watch a lot. Uh, God, in the '90s, man, that movie yeah. was huge. I feel like it's still like, good too. Yeah, like, it's, is it's, it? I... The set pieces are great. I think it's dark for what it is. Like I remember the beginning uh, or the intro, at least for Antonio Banderas's character, his brother's head is cut off by the sort of the 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 henchman of the main villain and put in this jar and then later on it's brought in uh, up again in the jar and they drink out the water from the where the head is being distilled in and drink from it like it's like this is like a a big action movie for you know families and it's like there's some weird subversive stuff within within that film and it is pretty violent yeah i i remember that movie being a huge deal um, in the nineties, I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched the entire thing, but, um, if it's in 4k now, I will, uh, I'll keep an eye out for it probably digitally in my case, I might yeah. rent it or something like that, but, um, I wouldn't mind watching that. It's fun. I, the, the legend of Zorro, not so much, but the mask of Zorro, um, it's, it's a solid movie and it feels like again, because obviously Zorro was a huge inspiration on Batman, but you can even tell with this that they were trying almost to make 
a comic book movie out of it in a, in a weird way. Right. That's fair. A uh, couple other things that are on sale on Apple. I just wanted to pull it up because I know there were things that I had already purchased. So I didn't purchase this time around. Uh, Joker is in 4k for less than, uh, for nine ninety nine. Um, Richard Jewell, uh, $9.99 uh, in 4K. I think I mentioned this last week, but Terminator Dark Fate, $10 uh, in 4K. Uh, not a great movie, but for something that's pretty new, um, Downhill is $8 to own in 4K. Um, not a bad movie either. I would just say watch Force Majeure. You can check out our review actually on Untitled Movie Reviews if you guys want to go listen to that. But I mean, I'd give it like a soft suggest for $8. I don't know. <laughs> like um, Gladiator in 4K. It's an anniversary, right? Of, uh, is it 20 years of Gla- Gladiator anniversary? Already? Eric, did you freeze and you're gone? Um, Gladiator, $7 in 4K. Um, Crazy Rich Asians, $10 4K. Wonder Woman, $10 4K um heat eight dollars in 4k predator speaking of john mctiernan eight dollars in 4k um revenant eight dollars in 4k independence day eight dollars 4k come on mrs doubtfire eight dollars 4k come on gone girl under ten dollars edward scissorhands under ten dollars you back oh no you're gone again eric uh, but that's it for staying at home uh, for me. I don't know if Eric can hear me, but Eric is blacked out. Okay, we are back again. God damn it, Matt. Uh, fucking technology. Uh, during that time, as uh, I was able to open a bottle of mead for Nevis, as well as get myself another beer. Um, apologies, everyone. Um, we are eight weeks into this shit, but um, technology still... To them. Don't yeah, I know. Technology still gets in the way sometimes. So um, while everything's been mostly smooth... Um, this one's had to be broken up into a few. Okay, where were we? We were talking about staying at home. I was mentioning some other things that were on sale before Eric's um, internet shit the bed. Um, moving on to talking trailers. I don't think we got anything this week, did we? We No. Mentioning Ben again. Ben messaged us was like, tenant trailer t- today. I'm like, Ben, there's not going to be a tenant trailer. I'm like, it's not going to happen. It's not coming out until january uh it's gonna be the biggest january yeah but uh no i saw i mean speaking of video games not necessarily a movie but something that's very cinematic and something i'm very very excited for for uh today was the uh they dropped the last story trailer for the last of us part two today um eric i know you didn't watch this but that's fine but um i thought it was great It, it it was the perfect kind of tease uh, leading into the June 19th release date. Um, didn't give you too much story. Just kind of, again, reiterated the vibe of revenge and hate. 
that this uh this game is probably going to bring to everyone uh it looks hella dark um looks incredibly violent um i've been able to stay away from spoilers which is great uh, i know i mentioned on the last episode i think that um was it did i mention it but like they had a big leak with the entire you know you did yeah every every reveal was uh, was leaked um so i've been able to kind of mute all of those um terms on everything and kind of stay away from spoilers which is nice but i did want to watch this last trailer and i think it's excellent so if you're excited you can't for even the game get your billy joel updates right now because you muted the yeah. word joel <laughs> i i had to man anyone named joel just doesn't pop up in my feed anymore so uh can't wait for it though like i i just this is probably my most anticipated thing this year even higher than some of the biggest movies this year so um i got a again like i mentioned earlier on the episode um nevis and i had to postpone our wedding to next year um silver lining to that i have time booked off so i can play last of us which was the same time as when i was supposed to be on my honeymoon so um i will take a good five days or something at home and play nothing but the last of us um and i cannot wait for it so go check that out that trailer i don't think it gives away too much just be careful where you search for it or where you go because a lot of people are being assholes in the comments on you know twitter and comments on youtube unless they've turned them off now but um of trying to spoil that game so i think the only worthwhile trailer right now is the last of us part two um and i did watch the trailer actually eric i don't know if you checked it out not a movie but a, a tv show i watched the trailer for space force i knew this uh, with- was coming yeah. Uh, did you watch the trailer? Yeah, it's fine. It looks fine. Yeah, like I think it looks – I'm into it. I, I mean uh, I can – I think um, – again, we mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Office and Parks and Rec and um, this coming – is it coming from Greg Daniels? Yeah, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean Greg Daniels and Michael Schur are those two main guys on a lot of those shows and th- whenever you see from the creators of The Officer – something like that. It's one of those two guys. Um, This being uh, the show on Netflix where Steve Carell plays like the head of the space force, a government agency that's uh, tasked with dominating space. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. I was into it. It looked, um, I was talking to Nevis afterwards and I'm like, it's obviously not the type of comedy you'd maybe expect from you know, when they're like, oh, it's Steve Carell reuniting with the guy who created The Office. And you almost thought it would be another workplace comedy, right? But these people who work at the Space Force, um, it's not really that. Like, it doesn't have that Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Office, Parks and Rec vibe. It it does look more like a dramedy. Um, it's shot in uh, 2.39. It's It's got some funny moments there, but it does feel like it kind of is trying to, you know, balance that line between some dramatic moments and some comedic moments. Uh, I did like the beach boys musical number. Um, I think there's some moments in there that I thought were intriguing. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, ch- I'll check this out. I don't know what to expect, but, um, who knows when I'll get around to it. But, um, I, I think I'll pop on the first couple episodes and see how I feel. Yes, will it be a force to reckon with, or will it just be a space farce? God damn it! Do you have any plans on ch- checking it out or no? Yeah, I I, I like Steve Krell a lot. It's interesting that he's 
going back to TV a lot recently with both the morning show and now this. Um, and I just like the idea of them lampooning Trump. So, yeah. But that's the thing that also kind of is a little bit wary where it's kind of like, is this all just kind of created or based around the ludicrous idea of a man creating the space force program, you know, and, and, and is it going to be one note? Um, so I hope that it, there's more than meets the eye. Uh, I hope this is like a transformers movie but yeah. better. Uh, so those were the only, uh, trailers that dropped this week. Um, moving on to the news, I think, um, kind of bookending the conversation from the beginning of the show when Eric brought up May the 4th, um, Star Wars dropped a big piece of news, which we kind of mentioned earlier in the show, but now we can talk about it a little bit more. Um, the rumors were true. Uh, Taika Waititi is going to be um, directing and co-writing a theatrical Star Wars film um, for uh, for Lucasfilm. And um, he is going to be co-writing it with... God, what? Uh, Christy the, Wilson Karens. Yeah, the... Who, uh, who co-wrote 1917 and you. the upcoming Edgar Wright uh, Last Night in Soho. Um. I got you. Which is, thank you. You're my encyclopedia, my Wikipedia, my IMDb. Um, that's how I should introduce you moving forward. Um, Eric, I, I haven't talked to you about this. I don't know. Like, I mean, we talked a little bit about this when it was um, rumored, you know, at the tail end of last year and things like that. And they kind of had to be coy about the whole thing. Um, I mean, I love Taika. Um, I know you were kind of um, in you were mixed on um oh my god jojo why am I rabbit. Blanking? jojo rabbit um you've I mean, already forgotten about yeah. it come on uh i know i i like the movie but i don't think i was over the moon about it but um uh, i love taika as both a personality and a director and um i think thor ragnarok is is fantastic and one of the best mcu movies so i am excited to see what he does with star wars and i think um uh bringing in the writer of, of 1917, it, I think is a good move of pairing him with someone. I mean, I guess he technically didn't even write Ragnarok, even though it's very much a Taika Waititi movie, but having someone there who maybe can, you know, rein him in a little bit and, um, and kind of, uh, knows how to write an action movie. Cause as much as I was kind of, you know, I enjoyed 1917. I just don't think it was this, you know, masterpiece as some people were making it out to be, but I do think it was an, an enjoyable action film. So when you take someone who can write, you know, a good action movie and someone who, uh, like Taika, Taika Waititi and put them together for a star Wars movie that doesn't necessarily have to tie into anything we've seen in the past, which I think was the biggest issue with why someone like, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller would get fired from something like solo because I would say like, if, if you can't jive with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, how are you going to jive with the Taika Waititi doing star Wars? And um, maybe this is a good sign that like they're, they're at that Marvel phase three um, part of Disney's Lucasfilm where they're starting to, you know, uh, we're away from the Skywalker saga. We can kind of bring in, cool filmmakers that will put their stamp on these things and, and not necessarily have to be precious over characters that have 
40 years of history. So um, I would say that I'm like optimistic that I, and I, I love Tyken. I, I can't wait to see what his star Wars movie is going to be. And I think he did a great job um, with the season finale of uh, season one of the Mandalorian. And I think he injected his personality and his style into that show um, without it being distracting or, or feeling like it was out of place. So I guess that gets me kind of excited to see what he'll do. And I have no idea what story he'll want to tell, or I'm assuming it'll be completely original and not tied into any characters that we know, but, um, I'm excited. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I have a similar, uh, opinion on taika as you and and everything that you said is basically kind of how i feel like i think them kind of getting away from the skywalker saga now and not having any sort of you know uh continuity or obligations to the franchise might actually now free up the creativity of the creators that are brought on to work on these movies and actually let them sort of tell their version of a star wars story and not have to worry about you know a producer trying to kind of map out the bigger picture of it all and you know not having to worry or control you know uh, a, a filmmaker that they hired to begin with you know and and should have known like this is their kind of movie or what they do and if that doesn't mesh with the kind of sort of you know, factory like quality of making these movies that you're accustomed to, you should probably hire the Peyton Reeds who's working on uh, season two of the Mandalorian shooting an episode right now. And I I'll be one of those contrarians where I think the episode that Taika directed of um, the Mandalorian was better than uh, Jojo rabbit. So um, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I don't disagree with you there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I think Go it's ahead. going to be interesting seeing like moving on if we if they're doing more maybe one offs instead of doing necessarily like even trilogies or sequels. I mean, I'm sure if if whatever this ends up being becomes a phenomenon or or makes a lot of money like any of the other ones have in the past, I'm sure they'll decide like okay, we'll we'll continue this as a series, but just as we are at this moment with them developing this new sort of idea within the Star Wars universe, and hopefully it'll be its own thing, that might just be enough room to kind of revitalize the series overall. Yeah. Um, and I put it out there on Twitter, and I, I don't know what you think, but like, when when do you think we see this? Do you think this is the next theatrical Star Wars movie, or do you think this is, you know, maybe the there's the next one and then he'll he'll be the one after that because what worries me is like i know with covid and production delays and things like that which have changed a bunch of release dates but um thor love and thunder is february 2021 um if this is the next star wars film that means the next star wars film we're not getting until 2022 um or like I mentioned, or do we see a, a world where he shoots Thor love and thunder and goes immediately over to the star Wars movie and then has two films in 2021 with Thor love and thunder in February and star Wars in December, or 
someone well, else. He also is... has next goal wins, right? Which yeah. is done, but he still has to do the promotion for that film. And if that's an awards movie, that'll spill in to 2021 if it gets released this year so i'm thinking 2022 right because sorry that's what i i I misspoke sorry i meant 2022 february is thor love and thunder and then late 2022 would be um maybe the star wars movie but that that seems insane to have a marvel and a star wars movie in the same year i just don't even think that's possible um i mean it could be but i think um, i think they'll give it some more time to let it sort of cool off again i think part of why the force awakens was the biggest of the new trilogy was because there was that what like 10 15 year gap between the 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 first uh, episode one and uh force awakens where it was just kind of like there had been enough time between those two to really have that not only the anticipation but the excitement of it again and then having the you know last jedi and the rise of skywalker you know come afterwards it was kind of like okay well star wars is back and then you know the flooding of the market with the stories and 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 rogue one like it it felt like we were too much too quickly all at once and now maybe if you give it until like say 2022 or 2023 even some time to kind of cool off and let you know him write with uh wilson karens and kind of figure out the mechanics of it and get the storytelling done and and really kind of work everything out that maybe that'll build enough momentum and that people can you know still enjoy i'm sure there'll be a couple other series in between mandalorian will probably still be going or at least go until like three or four seasons we'll probably get another show you know the theme parks and toys and and animation will still be there oh there'll be plenty of star wars over yeah yeah and and but i think that maybe you know these theatrical events having them spread out a little bit more is maybe a good call and i'm with you on that so like the other the other piece of news is that they confirmed that the um uh, that Leslie Headland from uh, the creator of Russian Doll and Bachelorette is is developing a, a new series for Disney Plus um, for Star Wars. Um, she'll write, executive produce, and serve as a showrunner for the series. Um, and then they also have the Cassian Andor series, the Obi Wan series, and Mandalorian. So um, it does look like Disney Plus is probably you know the immediate future of Star Wars, and then maybe the Taika movie is the next theatrical movie. Now that the Benioff and Weiss movie got shit canned, and whoever else is working on Ryan that. Johnson as well. Maybe, maybe the Kevin, him. yeah, and the Kevin Feige movie. Maybe that ends up being the the Taika movie because they've worked together, right? But. Um, who knows? But yes, the Ryan Johnson movie is the other thing, right? Is like, is that before I don't the think Taika? He's working on it anymore? I think after the response of the Last Jedi and how all of that was handled, both um, you know the publicity of it, but also sort of the online reaction. But they hi- uh, they hired him for those movies after that, or maybe they signed it before and then well, announced they, they, they it probably afterwards. signed it before. They probably liked what he was doing as he was making the movie, and like I mean, there were still problems even as they were making the film. I mean, obviously Mark Hamill was very vocal and not agreeing with how Luke was handled in the Last Jedi specifically, but. I have a feeling with Knives Out becoming this huge hit 
and an Oscar nominated film in its own right that now he's going to go off and do those movies instead in terms of like him doing like a series and that he he won't be locked into you know this franchise because I like I think he was I think he's burnt out with it at this point yeah like, maybe it's... people just like shit talked him like it just took I think it just took a lot out of him I don't I don't doubt it yeah um so yeah I I agree with you that Disney Plus is probably the immediate future and then maybe the Taika movie is the next uh kind of theatrical uh Star Wars movie um uh, moving on to some other news Sorry guys, we've been winging it, so I'm just kind of scrolling through. Do you anything off the top of your head, Eric? That you yeah, wanted to talk I've got about? A, I've got a new story right here. Uh, my boy Jeff Nichols is reuniting right. with Adam Driver for Yankee uh, Commandant, um, which is interesting because Jeff Nichols, speaking of Disney, um, was supposed to uh, be working on or developing a new version of Alien Nation which kind of fell through with the Fox and Disney merger. So now he's kind of putting together this new package, um, which is about uh, William Alexander Morgan. I'm reading the, uh, the plot outline here, and it's based on uh, David Grant's uh, novel, who also wrote uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which Scorsese is working on right now. Um, and uh, the Lost City of uh, Zed as well. So, I'm kind of curious about this and I'm sure Michael Shannon will have a role, but so far uh, the lead will be Adam driver. So it'll be a reuniting of uh, uh, midnight's uh, special, which I'm, I'm excited for. I, I think uh, Jeff Nichols is a, is a great uh, filmmaker and having met him and, and, and talked to him about movies, he, he seems like a really nice guy and I'm just excited to just see him, you know, continue to work. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely down to see anything Jeff Nichols does. So, um, hearing him teaming, reteaming with Adam Driver and um, reteaming, right? Yeah, yeah he worked on him. Was, yeah, Midnight yeah. Special. Yeah, 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 I forgot. Um, definitely, definitely down for that. Um, a piece of news that Eric, I think you'll just kind of chuckle at is um, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 put out a new DLC trailer today. And Eric, I don't know if you saw, but do you know who's joining the fight? Robocop. Hell yeah, man. Robocop. <laughs> so Peter Your Weller, creep. Uh, Peter Weller is doing the voice uh, for it. And Robocop will be a playable fighter in Mortal Kombat 11, um, which is, is pretty great. So you can live out some fantasies and you can have Robocop versus Terminator because Terminator's right in that game. Um, and Joker's in that game. It's, it's, it's a, it's pretty fun. Nevis and I have been uh, messing around with it over the last, a uh, little while, not for a few weeks, but now that RoboCop is there, I will. And long last, my there. my battle fantasy of RoboCop versus Scorpion. There you go. Fruition. <laughs> uh, Get over here! You're all that creep. All that erotic fiction you've written about Scorpion and RoboCop. Robo erotic. Erotica. Yeah. <laughs> um, not really a piece of news, but um, a fascinating article I've not even finished reading, but Eric, I don't know if you've read it yet, but Matt Patches wrote a, um, uh, a big piece on Josh Trank for Polygon. Um, basically Matt checked in with Josh in the years following, you know, um, fantastic four and wrote this huge, huge piece on him. Um, 
for Polygon and I, it, it's gigantic and I've read maybe three quarters of it or, um, or a half of it. Um, and it's really, really interesting of just him getting into, you know, how he started and his anxieties and how everything went to his head after Chronicle and, and why he did Fantastic Four. And I, I just, I'm getting to the point where he's making Fantastic Four and it's just um, a deep dive into this, I mean, this guy who got put into essentially director's jail after Fantastic Four and kind of the things he was accused of on that set and things like that. And I don't know, Eric, if you've read it yet, but no, but I, I have seen the article, so I'll, I'll give it a watch I, I, or a read because uh, Capone is supposed to actually be coming out uh, or available to stream uh, on VOD starting, I think, this Friday. So maybe that's a movie so we could review. We sh- yes, we should review that actually for sure. Um, hopefully. I, I don't know if it's a premium VOD or if it's just going to be a normal VOD rental. Um, but yeah, if it's available here in Canada on Friday, we should definitely watch that and review it. Um, so a really interesting read head over to Polygon and it's a, it's a giant, giant piece and I'm only like halfway or three quarters through it, but um, really, really interesting. Um Something that made me laugh and um, a piece of news that um, Tom Cruise is teaming up with Elon <laughs> Musk's SpaceX and NASA to shoot a movie in space. I really hope this is one of the Mission Impossibles, but if not, I'll take it either way. Um, they haven't said what this is what this is going to be, but um, this totally like the recreation makes- of the birth of his new son. Yeah, uh, with with oh, rhymes. Yeah, God, I don't even want to get into that. But um, <laughs> that kid is fucked. Like just from the beginning, like no matter what, like financially. I mean, dude. He'll, he'll yes, that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, you're gonna give me billions of dollars? Name me whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Right. Um, but the Tom Cruise thing is just like we joked about it. Like, how long is it gonna take before he, you know, Mission Impossible goes to space or or whatever? And um. I don't know if this is going to be Mission Impossible, but Tom Cruise is planning on shooting uh, a movie or a part of a movie. Uh, it says an action adventure in space. So uh, it's just Tom Cruise hanging out in space. Like that's the whole movie. I have no idea, but uh, it's got to be won't... better than Oblivion. Right. Um, this is great podcasting right now. Um, the one thing I'm noticing as I go on some of these things, they take that Josh Trank article and they just break it up into like, he almost made this movie or he almost did this. And I'm like, just let people read the whole article. Um, has there been any news of who's carrying that Capote movie here? Uh, no, but it is on, uh, iTunes in for like a pre-order or whatever. Yeah. And it says it's coming out this Friday or next week. Does it say you can next week? Next week. Oh, next Friday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely. uh, Um. Oh, Extraction's getting a sequel. Oh yeah. uh, I mean, great. I mean, I think nine. Whatever they said, nine million people. Is that what they said? Watched it. Yeah. Something like that. Extraction Uh, two rakes out. Just because 9 million people watched your movie doesn't necessarily mean 9 million people want a sequel to your movie. And how much of the um, movie did they watch? Yeah, exactly. And um, and who is I mean, watching that, it? Do they know that, like, the demographic of who is watching it? And 
I don't know. Did people like, I, I, I don't know with movie with those Netflix movies. It's always interesting to me. Cause I, I don't, I don't know what the online sentiment is. Cause I think with bird box, you know, I heard it's not a great movie, but it kind of, you know, captured that, you know, internet zeitgeist for a moment where everyone was talking about bird box. And I think, I guess extraction, I think people, again, when I was saying I was yearning for a new movie, um, extraction was there and it, I don't know if people, maybe it's that type of, you know, generic action schlock that people enjoy, but yeah, it's the kind of film that people go to the theaters for regularly when you could go. Even then, if that, if that was a major studio and dropped that movie and COVID didn't happen, how much is that making opening weekend? Probably like 15 to 20 million. Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm like, you're not going to get like, you're going to make, less than john wick money and oh john yeah wick, and that's what yeah. they want but they wanted it to john, be wick, john money. wick money yeah, yeah. give me that's that john I mean. wick money um you mentioned um peyton reed being confirmed as a director on mandalorian season two uh robert rodriguez also confirmed that he is directing at least one episode on season two um, so I think now we know that Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed are the new additions, um, as well as you have John Favreau coming in and actually, um, directing, you have Carl Weathers who, um, is actually going to be directing an episode. Um, and then you have, I think Bryce Dallas Howard returning to direct as well as Dave Filoni. So those are six directors and, oh, and, and Rick Famuyiwa um is also coming back so i think that's your group of mandalorian season two i thought we might have gotten a trailer um on may 4th but i guess that maybe is too early because i know they've shot all of season two right and they're um, probably in post right now so yeah and maybe i i wouldn't be surprised in the like the final episode of that that doc series the behind the scenes of the mandalorian if they drop a trailer or something like that because they are doing week to week on um which is surprising to me that they're doing i guess you for prop culture they dropped all the episodes at once but for mandalorian the doc they're going uh week like they did with the show right yeah release a new episode every week um it i wonder what'll come first the mandalorian season two trailer or the new mutants movie yeah there's i mean that's not really a piece of news but people kept screenshotting that the new mutants was um up for yeah up for pre-order on amazon and things like that so um which people thought that might mean that it's going to drop on vod which wouldn't surprise me but at this point yeah i mean just dump it somewhere um uh, who's texting what you're showing me yeah i know five minutes till survivor gotta wrap this shit up (laughs) (laughs) shut it down (laughs) Um, I think that's, I mean, there's not, oh, uh, Nicholas Cage is playing Joe exotic in a TV series and Jim Gaffigan's playing, um, Rob Ford in an AMC TV series. So if you want, you know, actors playing dirt bags, there's two pieces of news for you. Um, I think I see those two pieces of shit for you. Yeah. That, that as well. Um, Nick Cage playing Joe Exotic is funny. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I needed. We talked about this. Like, I was um, I, I I enjoyed a little bit of that series, but I don't think I needed anything more on that. Um, no. If it was just Nick Cage 
playing Joe Exotic on the set of a movie. Sure. Like a meta film. That would be good. Yeah. Um, anything else, Eric? That No, not these, really. These are weird times. Nothing got pushed, right? There's still Tenet still thinks it's coming out in July. Oh, yeah. Um, anyways. All right. We'll wrap it up. Survivor's about to start. This episode's already going long. Who gives a shit, you know? Just kidding, guys. Uh, we appreciate if you've gotten this far. We do really appreciate it. So, um, what's more interesting is you know what Eric and I have been watching at home rather than no news that's happening right now. Um, thank you all for listening. Apologies for the technical difficulties earlier. Um, if you like this, um, we also do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, where you guys can check out our new re- reviews for Extraction, which we just talked about. Um, as well as uh, Beastie Boys Story, which is up on uh, that right now, uh, both on Apple TV Plus and Netflix. Go check out those reviews. Um, we'll be reviewing things like, uh, what is the uh, the the movie? Not Capote. Why was I saying Capote? Capone. Uh, Capone. What's the movie you called? The Josh Ryan movie? Yeah. Yeah, Capone. Is it just called Capone? I thought it had yeah. a different name. It was originally oh. called Fonzo. Right, 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 right. But then right, they right. changed it to Capone because it was probably more... Because no one would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll review Capone. We'll review Scoob. Um, anything else that maybe is a high profile... The high note. The high note uh, that the is coming out on... i forward to. <laughs> um, on VOD. Um, so stay tuned for that on that channel. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work uh, around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. Uh, and you can follow me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. You can also follow uh, the Untitled Movie Podcast on all social platforms at untitled underscore cast. Uh, Eric does a great job posting when we have new reviews up, uh, when we have new episodes up. Um, and if you guys have a spare moment or two, we would really appreciate if you headed over to um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any podcast service. And if they have an ability to uh, rate us, um, we'd really appreciate if you guys just took two seconds over there and clicked that five stars or perfect rating. Because, you know, this is a perfect podcast. We're the best podcast on the Internet. Uh, seamless Eric. there's no errors <laughs> no errors it's just none if anyone needs a producer that won't fuck anything up hit me up uh no technical difficulties ever um very well prepped flawless I, <laughs> flawless oh and and uh, eric you actually you do your outro and then i'll i'll talk about next week oh yes i am eric marchin uh you can find more of my uh reviews and interviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and i'm on the social medias at em6211 um and as a tease for next week our 69th episode our 69th draft um will be all about erotic thrillers so eric and i are going to talk about some paulie v i watched basic instinct um yeah i watched um wild things i watched fatal attraction um, I'm going to try to watch a, a few more this week. And then on our 69th episode, um, we'll talk about a bunch of erotic thrillers and other, you know, dumb shit just because it's episode 69. It'll um, be our baby blue episode. Hell yeah. Maybe I should find that intro somewhere. Oh, uh, well, man, I'll talk, please. I'll talk about, yeah. I'll talk about stories about baby blue on the next episode. So um, until next time. Uh, <laughs> stay sexy. Bye. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.